0: Welcome to No Such Thing as a Bad Movie Podcast. I'm April atmansky and I'm here today with
1: Justin DeClue and
2: Colin Cunningham.
0: And this week we have quite a doozy um, <laughs> to discuss. <laughs> we should probably get right into it because this movie is crazy. This is
2: baffling. And Justin, you told us about this movie. You sent us the trailer. How the hell did you hear about this?
1: So I stumbled upon this just because someone posted a Letterboxd review, and when I suggested it this week, I had forgotten that I had actually suggested it, like, when we started the podcast, but it was such a massive endeavor at two hours and 17 minutes that I was like, oh, maybe I'll save it, and then I completely forgot about it.
0: Yeah, well, back when we were doing two movies an episode, it was just like, Mm -hmm. two hours and 17 minutes, that's just (laughs) too long, so we'll have, but now, like... Well, now we have all the time in the world to. Yeah, it's we're right. under quarantine. <laughs>
2: it, it, so, what is, what is. How many weeks have we been in quarantine? Six weeks. Six weeks? Yeah. Yeah. And,
1: you know, the craziest thing about this movie is that it doesn't have a cult following. Like, looking on Letterboxd, it only has like 11 reviews, it's and true. like three of them are from. Uh, friends of mine that I showed the movie to
0: <laughs> It's true the thing about this movie That's so crazy is that it seems Like the word hasn't gotten out Yet yeah. and mm-hmm. um, I think it Wasn't available for a while and Now it is it's on streaming services So anybody can watch this thing
2: Yeah it's called Deadly Lessons From quote unquote 2006 mm-hmm. uh, And AKA the legend of Simon Conjurer <laughs> Conjure. yep. Or Conjurer as they Call him <laughs> in the movie But I was reading more about this, I think it was on Letterboxd, somebody was giving a little bit of background information on the movie, and uh, they are saying that when, I guess, the trailer came out, people had heard of this movie, but Mm -hmm. could could never find it, apparently it just uh, opened in New York and just played for, I don't know, a week or two. Probably a week, yeah. And it just disappeared, and then the trailer came online, but nobody could find the movie, so everyone thought it was just an internet hoax. (laughs) That this movie oh, oh, oh. actually didn't exist and this was a fake trailer. The people,
0: the mm. reason I think people think it's fake is because it, it, the most notable thing is it has John Voigt in a fat suit.
1: Yes, in what looks like something he would wear if he was doing like an SNL trailer. Exactly.
0: <laughs> yes,
2: <laughs> it's bad. It's no, but the thing is, he's unrecognizable as John Voigt. and I don't know if that was something in his contract, like make sure no one knows that it's
1: me. So we should talk about who directed, wrote, and produced this movie, and just to give people yeah an idea of what it is. Yeah. So Stuart Paul is how would you describe him? He has like a Neil Breenish quality to him. (laughs) I I
2: was getting Neil Breen vibes the entire way. He sounds like
0: Neil Breen with uh, Kenny G's hair. Um, no, he sounds like Jerry Springer. That's I said he. he I said like. he
2: uh, looks and sounds like Judd Hirsch.
0: <laughs> I don't really get that, but maybe a little.
2: Look at Judd Hirsch, and then he's so unappealing.
0: Yeah, he's really ugly. physically
2: as as a mm-hmm. leading
1: man. But what's great about this movie is that, like any ego project, it's about how amazing he is yes. and how he is the best in the world. Yes,
0: and that those are usually the the best. Bad movies and B movies, these Mm -hmm. vanity projects. And uh, this one is no different. He's basically Jesus.
1: And it's such A slick movie Like for people Who have not seen Any stills of the trailer For this It is almost Absurdly expensive Looking for what it is Oh it looks
0: like
2: Shot on film Yeah It it looks like A total Hollywood Studio movie Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Like an older one It looks
2: legitimate It looks like a real movie
0: It it was done I think in 2004 Or 6 And then it came out Later But it So it has like a slightly dated look to it, but like the cinematography is great. They had real cinematographers, real, real composers. Yeah, I mean, I said that it looks like
2: somebody gave Neil Breen $30 million and a professional crew.
0: But
1: Neil Breen, or in this case, Stuart Paul, still does not understand how movies work. No,
0: yeah, especially in the <laughs> writing aspects. and just the
2: pacing and the
0: arrangement and the characters
2: scenes, <laughs> and just how long the scenes go on in this movie. Oh my God. Okay, this movie they is go two, on so long. This movie is two hours and
0: seventeen minutes. It really doesn't need to be that long, so um, the film opens with,
1: uh, Stuart Paul being brought to a classroom to, I guess, help them in their fear of flying. I don't know why this is such a big issue. J- I, don't, I don't know. Justin,
0: I think he teaches this class. <laughs> like, he, this man who looks like a child molester is uh, uh, like a first grade teacher. And let me tell you, oh, this do you opening think
1: so? scene. I thought he was just coming into the class. That's what no, I no. thought, but
0: where's the teacher now? No,
1: then?
2: it was the nurse who was visiting him. So first of oh. all, the movie starts out with narration from mm. from apparently uh, Marlon Brando in The Wild <laughs> One.
0: We're, we're going to meet this character later, but you don't know that when it opens. And he's
2: talking about his mother, who is this nurse walking down the hall in this preschool. And then she goes into this class and sees this teacher uh,
0: okay, so the, this opening sequence Is the most disturbing thing in the whole movie To me <laughs> um, I was very, very put off right away <laughs> But even before that um, The opening credits are in Comic Sans We can't forget that <laughs> Right out of the gate um, But yeah, so he's put—he's saying to all these children Again, no supervision Just him and this group of children mm-hmm. um, Close your eyes and imagine you're flying Because he's supposed to be teaching them Not to be afraid to fly in airplanes For some reason So he does this and everyone these kids start flying through the air they're
1: levitating with the
0: worst special effects you've ever seen and um
1: I don't know about that they're pretty slick there was some wire work on that day it,
0: there uh, yeah. was it looks but, like there's some green but screen but these work. kids are like screaming with joy and it's really it's like scary like they're not like wow cool they're like rah it's like it's scary and then mm-hmm. um they float back down and he's like open your eyes see you didn't uh, you didn't have to go anywhere. Now you don't have to be afraid to be on an airplane. One, why would you teach kids that they can literally fly around to be okay to, to fly in an airplane? Yeah. it's a, Well, first of all, it's a bad
2: lesson. Exactly. And you're like, those kids are going to think they can actually fly. And then later on in the movie, one of the
0: kids tries to jump out of a window. Yeah. We learned there's more to it than that. But I was like, why would you teach kids through this kind of like mind control hypnosis thing that they... Kids who are too young to understand the difference that they can fly, like that's bad.
1: Yeah, I don't. Well, know. you're not Stuart Paul, and you are not <laughs> a prophet with no name, as he bills himself. So. Yeah, his
2: name. So yeah, all the all the credits are kind of. It's like a hard ticket to Hawaii type opening, mm-hmm. where all the credits are kind of on cork boards, like done in child's drawings and stuff. And then when it gets to his name, it's just it's directed by, and then the girl has
1: like rubbed it off of the chalkboard. That's because he actually took a pseudonym in this movie.
0: Yeah, I think it was legally related.
1: Um, yeah, he is Q Mark? Oh Question god. Mark?
0: <laughs> oh my oh god, god! I just got that. Are you kidding? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I just got that myself as I was looking at the name in front of me. Oh no! Uh, I was
2: uh, I was reading about the movie it had like trouble with unions. Mm, which yeah. got John Voigt into trouble did it have like why did he
0: no I read that um, they weren't it was non-union so they weren't paying the actors enough so they so instead of paying the actors the right amount they just changed the name of the movie <laughs> and I think that's why he couldn't have his name as the director so it's the well, same
1: movie I think that he got in trouble John Voigt, because he was working on a non-union shoot and as a union actor you cannot do that Yeah, right. and if like union shoots happen and uh, non-union shoots <laughs> happen in LA and the, like the unions hear about it and that they're like big productions. They'll shut them down.
2: Yeah, like they'll they, they come start in like and they'll picketing just, the set and like getting mm-hmm. in the way. And
0: John Voight clearly in a union. All these other actors probably not because nobody else in this movie is anyone of note.
1: So we're introduced though to John Voight uh, in this movie, and let's just get to him because we just need to talk about yeah. his look, his performance, his, his which performance. I I think we could only describe a stomach churning. It, he looks. Yeah. It's like this fat
2: bastard-esque <laughs> yep. sort of abomination.
0: And he's always eating candy bars.
2: Ugh. Yeah. He's like a real slob and he has the, you know pockmarked face and stuff like that. Uh, he's really gr- gross to look at and he has this weird accent and I figured out he's doing Anthony Hopkins and Richard mm. Burton. <laughs> and he kind of talks like, like this, my boy.
1: And he's <laughs> twitching his hands and he like walks with a limp and looks like he has a hunchback the entire time. Yeah. And he represents science in yeah, this he's, world. He's a psychiatrist.
0: And mm-hmm. his name, you guys, is Dr. Krazax.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Uh, but it's spelled C R A Z X.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so
2: they changed the Y in crazy to X. But he's
0: like, I have to stop this Dr. Simon Conjurer because he's a snake oil salesman. And uh, he's doing like a children's movie villain performance. Yeah. And everyone else is at least a little more normal than that. Um, he I mean, you fit. would assume
1: this is a children's film until one specific scene.
0: Yeah, it looks like a
1: wacky kids' movie. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it has a lot in common with something like Baby Geniuses. John Voight in Baby Geniuses and a couple other actors in this movie were also in the Baby Geniuses movie.
1: Yeah, but so that's because Baby... it was a Stephen Paul production, the brother of Stuart Paul.
2: Stuart <laughs> Paul, did, uh, did Baby Geniuses have like a... a naked lady showering
1: and no (laughs) you're skipping ahead call and you're skipping to the good stuff
0: you're saying that that the director of this movie's brother directed baby geniuses
1: he produced baby geniuses supposedly john voight is best friends with Stuart paul and
2: i think uh so this was crystal sky productions i think Mm -hmm. and i think they're a production company uh created by john voight's agents Mm. Or his like a representation. So everyone
0: in like this that. movie was probably um, uh, on the talent roster of this agency. It's possible. Yeah. So we need to
1: get into the plot of this movie, or we're going to be here for oh literally all week because there's God. so much to talk about. It's The first <laughs> so week-long podcast.
2: Please, please explain this plot.
1: So Stuart Paul has these classes that he gives in like a rundown classroom <laughs> <laughs> every night, and he helps people. Uh, to heal whatever problem they have that's psychological. And specifically, he needs to help a young boy named Rebel, who uh, his dad passed away. He Mm -hmm. tried to commit suicide, but then he landed in a mattress truck that you really need to be be paying attention to know this happened in the movie.
0: I've
2: seen it twice, and I I did not remember that.
1: Still
0: a little confused, but yeah, yeah, that's true.
1: And so uh, he gets Rebel In the longest, most boring way to come to this meeting that has a wild cast of characters. And, you know, when you watch a movie and you go, oh, they gave short shrift to these characters. No, every one of these (laughs) 10 actors is going to get a beat one after the other. Yeah. And so Stuart Paul stands before this class and he starts his teaching.
2: And he has written on the board...
1: E equals mc
2: squared. E equals mc squared, and the E stands for Enlightenment equals Mind Control. And that what was that was the first stand, like stand for. That was that was the first red flag. I'm like, oh god, this is going to be some New Age. Seems on the level to me. New Agey like hippie psychological bullshit. Fucking bullshit movie. Mm-hmm. And I was right. Well,
1: I mean, not really. I think it would be more um, like. Uh, The Borgian, the author who is all about metafiction and text within text. That's (laughs) what the movie becomes, where we're introduced to all of these characters that include... Uh, a guy who can't stop having sex someone who has anorexia a guy who's named crack because he loves gambling and has a crack in his head
2: yeah he fell and who... his name is platehead too yeah crack yeah. is a nickname girl
0: addicted to pills um you know the the, the, the typical wait and then we yeah. have like what's the black guy's name Scorpion Scorpio. Scorpion Scorpions
1: uh, he's my favorite okay because well, uh, was... as he says um what is the line he yells he's like, uh, book ain't gonna cure my rage yes.
0: <laughs> The thing is Okay, so at, at around this point After they all introduce themselves Dr. Conjurer gives them all books and they're like mm-hmm. old looking books and they start to read the books and realize that um they, they're, they're they're all characters in they're the characters book. in the books it's a never-ending story scenario but when he gives them these books they all act like children they're like what there's no pictures in here like i'm not gonna read a book they're just so angry <laughs> that they are given a book ain't no book gonna rid me of my rage yeah. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> well, the one kid is like, oh, there's no pictures in this because he reads comic books and his name is Toons. They all have um, funny nicknames. Yeah, they
2: all have addictions and afflictions and, and Toons is that uh, he doesn't know if you know his sexual orientation. It's very problematic
0: mm-hmm. because they don't just make him a sex addict, which would make sense. No, he goes, he doesn't know if he's heterosexual, homosexual, asexual. He doesn't know. So, a, that's not an addiction, and mm-hmm. B, later you find out that he's actually just a virgin, and he's like cured of his homosexual leanings. Yay. It's Very, very problematic.
2: Isn't? Aren't you happy,
0: audience? He's cured. Because he's no he looks gay. like a gay club kid, and that's weird. <laughs> oh God!
1: <laughs> and so in this movie, if a character tells you something about themselves. Every one of them has to do it. So, for example, when they open the books and they're like, whoa, it says here, I have a birthmark. And then they'll show the birthmark. Every character will have to show something on their body.
2: As yeah. the, like the camera slowly minutes. pushes in on the reveal. And
0: I believe there's 10 of these characters. So we got to yes, go there through are 10. 10 of this shit. Yeah. God, like, everything.
2: like every, it feels like this movie is just made of six scenes that are just really, really long.
0: Yeah, that's
1: a hundred percent what it is. I don't think it's yeah, about six, eight
2: scenes. <laughs> yeah, the opening scene with the children, which has that's barely 20, twenty minutes. Anything to do with the plot is almost twenty minutes long.
1: Uh, It does have to do with the plot, Colin, because it's revealed that one of the kids that he taught not to be afraid of flying jumped out of her window and died. Or
2: so they think. But then we realize that John Voight actually pushed her off a building and murdered her. (laughs) And she's eight years old and they show her body on the ground.
1: I think one of the cops is like, "Ugh, I hate when the, the murders are young or something like that. No, he says, man, I'm so
2: sick of murder, especially young murder. (laughs)
1: Great line. And this movie is so slick, too. You see, like, the camera's always whipping around and pushing in and doing a bunch of crazy
0: stuff. It's like a music video. Yeah, it's
2: trying to interject, you know, energy into this movie.
0: Well, whenever a character has, like, a reveal about themselves or something, it'll, like, zoom in on, fast zoom in on them with the sound effect. Like a whoo.
2: And then they do a flashback. So all of their addictions... Issues uh, all sort of stem from childhood trauma of some sort, usually from like bad parents.
0: Yeah.
1: At one point, uh, Simon Conjurer like conjurer uses uses his energy beam to like knock Scorpio thirty feet into the air. Yeah, oh, that's
0: right. Yeah, he pushes him like, like he like flies through the air. Now <laughs> yeah. it's revealed later how he does this, but I guess we'll get to that. But then Scorpion,
2: you know, he's like, "How did you do that?" And he's like, "Oh, I took some self defense class." It's like, "No, that's superhuman <laughs> strength."
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, as Colin was saying, the structure of the movie is they're trying to escape the police and prove that John Voigt is the murderer and not Simon. And right. the way that they do that is they just go to John Voigt's apartment, <laughs> yeah. and each character, one after the other, Ugh. comes across an object has a flashback of why they have a psychological condition and then... They're cured. They're cured. They're cured. It never <laughs> bothers them again. Yeah, they just have a breakthrough and it's like, oh,
2: my, you know, eating issue b- is because of this and, you know, I'm on drugs because yeah, of this. It's
0: so simplistic. It's so, it's it's offensive to people who have real addiction problems. But these
1: flashbacks are so funny. They're essentially like Zucker Brothers Guys, Like, at one point, a guy's like, my dad used to beat me and you see, like, someone beating a small child and he's like, but now I understand. It's because his grandpa beat him. And in the same shot, yeah. <laughs> his grandpa comes it starts beating walks the dad.
2: In, he wipes <laughs> into the shot. My favorite was the uh, it was the drug addict, the girl, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Oh my god, now I know I am reliant on oh, drugs." So good. And They flash back, and she's like, "When I was a kid, I was in the car with my dad, and he was an alcoholic." <laughs> I and I don't the even dad,
0: know if she said he was an alcoholic.
2: Yeah, she's sitting in the back seat, and he's drunk driving, but he's just like driving, and he's turned around and just staring at her the entire time, and he runs,
0: <laughs> runs over a little it's girl on a set bike. Set up like
2: a like. A, a comedy like you see it, this. it's little... like
1: one shot that you see like the car's driving the kid gets in front of the car gets hit by the car and then the camera swoops around to see yeah um the person telling the story
2: it, but it was so well done it's like this mm-hmm. actual like girl with you know, a little bike it's like the children of men yeah shot. just like wheels it's like
0: the... <laughs> <laughs> hey, not that good but it's that type of shot and then she's like and i looked back at her and she wasn't moving and that's why i do drugs And the
2: dad doesn't even flinch and he just keeps driving <laughs>
0: Also, we didn't mention one of the um, patients, or whatever you want to call them, has schizophrenia. You cannot cure schizophrenia in one night of, of counseling by a, well, weir- a weirdo. Stuart Paul can.
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe I mean, are it. you a prophet with no name, April?
0: A prophet with no god.
1: <laughs> oh, is that what it is? Sorry, I'm confusing it with the other film he directed, Enom, a.k.a. No Name Backwards. Oh, God. So are they all religious films? Oh, yeah. And by religious, it's how Stuart Paul is awesome and will save the world. Yeah. New yeah. Like a Christ figure. The,
0: the weird thing is like religion. This is like. It's not specific. Well, it's not like those, like, God's Not Dead movies that are Mm -hmm. overtly religious. Like, I'm talking about religion. This is almost like trying to take a back way into faith where there's religious elements. But it's not... It's almost it's weird because it's like the John Voight character doesn't believe in God. Right. And he's always talking about it. I don't
2: think so. But then they go into his apartment and they discover this room, which is just filled with all these old books and tomes about religion of every religion.
0: Yeah. Because this is, this almost seems like a Scientology thing or something because he's kind of like, it's within you to solve your own problems, Simon conjurer. But, but but no, we have to go to him to get mind control um, to realize that uh, it, it's, it's muddy what the message is, right? Yeah. I it's think very, the
1: message is that Stuart Paul <laughs> is a new age Jesus. And that the films are about him and how about he is great and he can help people. Yeah. yeah and well, he
2: has so little charisma.
1: It's oh right. my God. <laughs> He's not
2: necessarily like a bad actor, but he is lacking so much charisma. He just, every line he is delivered very flatly like and this. emotionless.
1: So my favorite part of this movie is definitely when suddenly John Voight finds one of those books and he does the most disgusting thing in the world, which is he throws his candy in the air and it's like a CG piece of candy that goes (laughs) up and then what looks like a dog turd hit the book.
2: Yeah, and just splats on the book.
1: And then it cuts to a crazy uh, flash forward, but we learn later on is actually a flashback. Oh,
2: God, I'm lost. (laughs)
1: Where yeah. John Voight and Stuart oh. Paul have a sword fight? Yeah. I understand
0: it. the flashback so thing now.
2: John Voight has like an automated plank that extends from the, <laughs> <laughs> the roof of his penthouse. The railings come down, and this plank extends over the street. So, you know, it's sort of implied that he was the one who pushed this eight year old girl. To her death.
1: He's not oh, it's not implied. He, we see it. He admits <laughs> it.
2: But then, so he makes Stuart Paul uh, walk this plank and he's got a sword and stuff like that. But He's
0: got a sword and a gun. Does following. he
2: do this so often that he needs this plank?
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That's, one that's my favorite part, man. Like, is it uh, never, it's
2: not suspicious at all that, you know, all these falling deaths of children happen under John Voight's apartment? Uh, it, it's yeah. just, it's very weird.
1: Well, yeah, you know, now that I think about it, so that little girl lived in John Voight's apartment because we see him toss her off his roof where he lives. I think maybe he just
2: drags her <laughs> up to the top or something like that.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know how he... Did
2: he kidnap her?
0: You know what? There's a lot of questions that aren't quite answered. <gasps> oh my God. Uh, but it requires multiple, multiple viewings to get all the uh, the nuance in. Um, and <laughs> So, completely- like...
1: There's scenes in this movie where John Voight is just fondling a giant, like, f-
0: flaccid Penits. penis statue. Yeah, and then, yeah, he lifts... The- <laughs> Honestly, if we mention all the crazy stuff that's in this movie, we would be here all night. <laughs> uh,
2: so, yeah, and then, what does he do? He kind of strokes the penis statue, and then the penis kind of mm-hmm. lifts up, and then uh, it's like a safe that he has a gun in. Yeah. And then, so they all hide when these cops also come into the apartment so everyone is breaking into John Voight's apartment
0: is this your yeah. favorite part the snake it's not yeah. my favorite part oh man that's has, not your favorite part I watched
1: that part three times yeah he watch has it a big, big glass
2: case and he's got a snake inside and then there's this giant button it says like epic curious delights yeah. and one of the cops like presses this red button and it drops a squealing CGI piglet, piglet into this <laughs> tank right it, into the snake's mouth right directly into the snake's mouth and the snake becomes cg and swallows this thing whole it is some of the worst cg i have
1: ever yeah. seen we spend life. so much time with these cops and Can't, it's like is the movie not long enough oh, this God. movie
0: has too many characters they there's two cops that have the same goatee so they look like twins and they mm. have like witty banter while it's like they're trying to solve the crime too, but they don't really get anywhere. And it's like why why are we wasting are we time? Here? Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's an experience, Colin. Oh, you need to experience God, the whole experience. world though.
0: Right. Um well as far as like my favorite part goes, I think I have to kind of just I have to go back to John Voigt. Um I'm I'm mm. just gonna go with like his performance in general <laughs> because it's really, really funny and it's so over the top that I can't even like look at it and not laugh like it's like he's trying like this is a children's movie performance he's in another movie whoa I almost knocked over my tea Uh, but like when he's in that rooftop scene he's like dancing back and forth and like with like glee at how mean he is
2: (laughs) also he just murdered an eight-year-old child
0: and like earlier in the movie he visits um, the dean of the school that Simon teaches at which is another character and he's like choking down these chocolate bars and she's smoking a cigar so he's like coughing and he's like giving this again this insane performance i i can't and his eyes are like bugging out of his head it's
2: so broad
0: yeah um (laughs) it's really it's really something that you has to be seen to be believed and everyone should see it
2: so he he's kind of like meeting the Dean, for some reason, who's this, like, kind of young, attractive woman... He wants to shut down Simon Conjurer. He wants to shut down Simon Conjurer uh, because he says he's, like, peddling snake oil and, you know, pseudoscience and all this sort of stuff, and then when he leaves, the Dean... Is still talking to herself, I guess. She continues
0: talking after he leaves.
2: She's like, I was a graduate of one of Simon's classes. And then she goes into a drawer and pulls out this picture. A framed picture. A framed picture of her and Simon Conjurer. I guess they were lovers? (laughs)
0: <laughs> he fucked his yeah. student and another it's a really
1: funny picture too that she reserved the whole drawer for i know exactly.
0: it fills up the entire drawer <laughs> and yeah
2: he, he's he got his face pressed up against hers and she looks really uncomfortable but not as uncomfortable
0: <laughs> we got to get to the the shower scene okay so John, definitely colin's favorite
1: part uh, right Colin? it's not
2: my favorite part i'll get to it but this scene is so it makes no sense whatsoever. And it's like midway through this movie, and they show clips of it in the trailer. I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't a kid's movie? Uh, John Voight's character, Dr. Krazex, grabs a gun and he's like, I'm going to go kidnap the dean. And so all the students in Simon Conjurer go to the dean's house to kind of warn her. But the scene opens up with her naked, full on naked having a shower in this sort of grotto.
0: It's the most (laughs) opulent shower I've ever seen.
2: It's like this rock grotto, and it's got like the water is lit from behind, and we just hold on her showering for a very long time. And she's having
0: a really good time showering.
2: You see the boobs, she's rubbing herself all over.
0: It is like So
1: like did uh, Simon Paul uh I keep saying his name Stuart, Stuart Paul. Paul. Sorry. It's easy to confuse the man and the character for they are one. <laughs> did he like read the script and go, this needs a scene where I take my shirt off and show my slick abs?
0: Yeah, clearly he did. This is uh, th- th-
2: Well, come on, he's so attractive that women
1: just can't help <laughs> themselves around him. Do you so, think his hair is naturally curly or he just makes it that way himself? Oh, his hair is perm. so off-putting. I think it's a
0: perm. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, if he had a different haircut, I might be able to somehow Put myself in the mindset that someone would find this man attractive. It's so
2: oily and yeah, because he looked like Judd Hirsch,
0: greasy like.
2: So he kind of walks in on her, and he's just popping in to warn her, "Hey, Doctor Crazex is coming to kill you. Let's get out of here." But no, so he just walks in on her showering, and she's so turned on by him because he's so attractive that she pulls his shirt off. She pulls him into the shower, and they spent... They They spend so long. They are making out in the shower for so long.
0: Of course, every scene
2: is just so long.
0: Well, it's like (laughs) the scene in the room where uh, Tommy is having sex Mm -hmm. with his girlfriend. It's like I mean, it's not that long, but Mm -hmm. it's it's that same scene or like. Yeah. in um, Fateful Findings where Neil Breen is showering with the, the mask on with his girlfriend. <laughs> it's like, did we need to see him shirtless? Yes, then, we did. So,
2: but during the sort of make session, we see that Toons, the kind of character that, uh, you know, doesn't know his sexuality, is at a window watching the make-out. And uh, he... That he, triggers his... Turns him down. straight. Basically, just watching, yeah. watching Stuart Paul make-out with this naked woman. Just yeah, gets rid of at his the gayness. end of the m-
0: movie he's like I'm not gay anymore and he makes out with the anorexic lady it's uh, awful
2: <laughs> yeah and, and they make out so long that John Voight's character just shows up at the mansion anyway
0: in the shower <laughs> <laughs> While they're still making out. Well, I say in what the shower. What if John Boyd,
1: like, took his shirt off and he's yeah. like,
0: room for one more? This, this bathroom is, like, huge. So it's not, like, a tiny bathroom. It's, like, mm-hmm. a, a, like you said, like a grotto. So It he, looks like the set get get a set from a movie.
1: Do you yeah. think it's Stuart Paul's house? Oh, I think it's so. It's
0: somebody's house because... Um, Well, you see the outside first of all, but I was like this is like some crazy rich guy's insane house Um, Mm -hmm. And Colin didn't you read that Stuart Paul is like a millionaire or something? Well uh,
2: apparently his family is very very rich and very influential and I noticed in the opening credits that two of the producers have the last name Paul So I don't know if that's like his brother and father or something like that But this movie Mm. Justin doesn't have like 30 million dollar budget
1: I don't think it had $30 million, that's but what it says. Uh, I, no sure, I guess. Oh, yeah, it does say estimated. Uh, that's like a guess somebody made. Oh, wow. It was shot in British Columbia for most of it. Uh, yeah. Ah. In Vancouver.
0: Um, but just like Time Cop. <laughs>
1: but like, <laughs>
0: uh, like, obviously, my biggest question with this is how did this Project get greenlit and I know that bad Movies get made and get money all The time but this is this is on A whole another level what's so yeah. baffling About this movie is how much talent And money is behind it and It's the the dumbest Thing ever yeah well just, how does
1: a movie Like this get made definitely rich People throw money at other People to make it that's the only way Something like this would come to the screen exactly.
2: But You can't like you can't read this script and say Oh yeah this is gonna make us a lot of money Mm -hmm. No, I don't think it was
0: made to turn a profit. I think it was just made because people like I guess Stuart Paul and they want to give him money or they know him or they're related to him But also it's like how you mentioned the talent agency angle So maybe this was supposed to be like we got to get some footage uh, some tape real for all these people in our roster, (laughs) you know
1: well one of the uh, patients (laughs) of Stuart Paul is actually his niece yeah. And John Voight's goddaughter. Right. And she's the one that at the end who's like, oh, I wish he wasn't taken. Oh, jeez. Which one is that? The oh, one I... who's anorexic with blonde hair.
0: Oh, yeah. That chick.
2: Who eats a donut and is cured. There's,
1: there's... So at the end of the movie, they end up back in the uh, grimy classroom where the whole patient session started. And it's revealed that the books that were telling their lives and that they were following are now blank. So <laughs> And what? this triggers, like... Nine hundred reveals that make very <laughs> little sense
0: uh, well, because you're like, wait, so the whole movie was all in their heads somehow yes.
1: I don't but know but the they details. did go out,
2: I think yeah because so, the gambling guy goes out and buys lotto tickets wait so and they,
0: they show him did, coming back they, to they did go to John Voight's apartment
1: so in my memory. I remember the first time I watched it that like it's revealed that they never left the classroom mm-hmm. and that they just were reading the books that is about them reading the books and then going out and doing stuff.
2: Right. But then yeah. the gambler went out to get lotto tickets and he has them and they kind of play but into I, the plot. I thought plot. that
0: they were jointly hallucinating being in John Voight's apartment because they all find objects that relate to their life, which is they're just oh, imagining no. it.
1: That's just bad screenwriting. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, Don't well, you dare say that about Stuart Paul. <laughs> I'm sorry, Stuart. You're a great man, and a prophet with no name, and also a prophet with no god, other <laughs> than Stuart Paul.
0: <laughs> yeah, so the ending is very confusing. I mean, we did have some wine the first time we watched this, so I was like, at the end, I was very confused and angry, because after <laughs> this reveal of them all realizing they're cured through hypnosis there's another ending reveal about Rebel's character, which we haven't talked about Rebel yet and how funny he talks.
1: <laughs> yes. Is that so, your favorite part, uh, Colin? Okay, I'll just uh, say my talk, favorite part
0: talk right talk now. Brando. Now, the music,
2: <laughs> the music for this film,
1: you know. Oh, Michel Legrand?
2: Michel Legrand, who has like 213 movies under his belt doing so he has like 12 oscar nominations three academy awards for score he did the uh original thomas crown affair uh yentl Yentl. and i have to say the musical score it's great it not for this movie
1: it's so inappropriate maybe they just bought like a library of his music that he's like oh yeah i wrote these for a jacques Dermy film and it never got made so do whatever you want to uh, with it because it does sound like you know, low-budget films will have, like, classical uh, soundtracks that yeah. just needle drop, and that's yeah, what it, it sounds like. Like, Stuart Paul will be talking, and it'll be like... Oh.
2: It's so upbeat and happy, <laughs> and you could picture it at the end of, like, Home Alone or something like that.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it doesn't match the tone of the movie. Like, there's times where I was like, this is, like, Stravinsky. We're getting, like, crazy atonal, like, jazzy flutes, and it's, yeah, it's, it's off-putting right. <laughs> how bombastic it is.
2: But it's very good.
0: It's, like, it's like
1: it's, wow, this is this is a great
0: score. Yeah. Not for
2: for this movie
1: by, it's
0: by itself it's some good pieces of music yeah.
1: so we didn't talk about Rebel but he's essentially the main focus of the narrative he has his own narration that shows up every 45 minutes yeah <laughs> so
2: the, the nurse that arrives at the very beginning when Stuart Paul is levitating the children is Rebel's mother and she's mm-hmm. asking Stuart Paul to kind of help her son she's who's thinking, like a
0: he's on the streets
2: teenage runaway you ha-
0: and you have to go get him yourself like and you have to force him to come to this class so he's kind of like the outcast of this class like he didn't mm-hmm. sign up for it yeah um and he's and there and she says it's
1: because his dad
0: passed away and he can't get over it yeah and yeah
2: this kid he's totally doing a Marlon Brando <laughs>
1: the wild one accent
0: we couldn't understand a word he was saying um we had to turn the subtitles on yeah. <laughs> the whole movie
2: actually he kind of mumbles his way through this movie he's like talking like this hey teacher also
1: Stuart paul's voice was like the voice of god and you couldn't like (laughs) handle it it just blew your hair back
0: (laughs) exactly (laughs) and he's yeah he's playing playing this like
2: (laughs) he's like a 1950s street tough and he's got these like fingerless leather
1: gloves
0: Yeah, he's a pretty funny character. He's just... The whole movie, he's like doubting everything, and he's like, oh, um, blah, blah, blah. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's almost like he's the mechanism that's moving the story forward, which is
0: important. Well, Justin, can you explain the ending to me? Because after no. we leave the, I can try <laughs> after we leave the classroom i fully did not understand what the end of this movie is yeah like so i then, know so there's like,
1: a bunch of reveals that happen it's revealed that the anorexic uh girl was working with Stuart paul because she took one of his classes previously oh yeah right um john voight shows up and he's like there's the man who killed the girl and then suddenly some other guy walks in and he's like oh no, I have evidence to prove that John Void is the killer, and they're like, "Ooh, wow! It's philanthropist. Uh, I can't say the word. It's like rich guy, um, community organizer, so and so. Yeah, it's, how could we so not believe him? It's
2: actually Rebel's dad.
1: Yes. Wait, isn't he supposed to be dead? Yeah. So it's revealed he's like a billionaire.
2: And
0: right. So Rebel's dad is not dead. Why did he think he was dead? So- and
1: Rebel's dad also saw. Um, <laughs>
2: He saw John Voigt throw the girl off the roof because he was traveling in a helicopter at that, that exact moment and pa-
1: passed over John Voigt's roof. Okay, so I'm just thinking about it right now. This will make no sense to, to people who have not seen the movie, as if this has been a picture clear up until this point. So it's revealed that Rebel does not exist, that Rebel was hypnotized to and he's just a nice kid who helps down at the hospital. Right. And he was hypnotized to essentially lead the class, I guess.
0: What? Yeah, because it, it, the the rebel character who lives on the streets who's upset that his dad is dead is not who this guy is cuz he's after this scene we're now in the hospital with the with his mom and he's okay. just helping out yeah. at the hospital.
1: Okay, so I think I have it. Okay. I think it's implied that Stuart Paul himself was also hypnotized. Because remember he finds that page in the book? Yes. And there's like instructions. So what may have happened is that John Voigt killing that young girl happened before the movie started. Mm-hmm. Rebel's dad saw it happen. And to get Stuart Paul to solve his own mystery... He s- asked his wife <laughs> to help his son who was hypnotized by somebody else. What? What yep. happened? <laughs> who hypnotized Stuart Paul? I don't know. Rebel that's it. the assumption because, you know, he opens the book and there's like instructions that he had never seen before. Yeah, I remember that. And he's really shocked about it. I
0: thought those instructions were supposed to be from Rebel because didn't he? Wasn't he like, it's his handwriting or yeah, something but, like that?
1: So maybe Rebel. Is the one that had set all this up and hypnotized himself to forget what happened?
0: <laughs> Wait. <laughs> so then the last scene in the hospital where the, ca- the patient is yeah. floating it, it seems like Rebel's so Rebel and his mom okay
1: so people are listening right now and they're like wait 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 what someone's floating somewhere yeah there's oh more my God. flying
0: it, the, the movie ends as it began the, the woman from the beginning the nurse is, is treating a cancer patient and she goes close your eyes imagine you're floating and she floats oh. and the whimsical oh. music happens okay so
1: now I understand it's the mom that hypnotized Rebel
0: and, and she maybe. was working
1: with the in conjunction with the dad for Stuart Paul to solve his own case that's against him.
0: Oh, God.
1: We cracked it, guys! Oh, oh my God. It
0: still doesn't make sense. Now I have to go what?
1: watch this again. Yeah,
0: see, it's complicated. <laughs> for a third time. Oh, no, now it's
2: like six hours and 45 minutes I, of my I for, life. <laughs> I
0: forgot how many reveals there are just in that last scene. Oh, <laughs> and
2: then they, like, uh, the platehead, the gambler he buys these lotto tickets mm-hmm. and then they all win and then don't they end up winning like 31 million dollars or something but he
1: donates all the money to the mother and family of the young girl that died which made me really disturbed right. because i was like wait i thought that they were going to just explain that the young girl dying didn't actually happen but yeah. it did yeah.
0: yeah
2: so john Voigt, the the comical he's fat bad. villain it is a child killer
1: Yes, and he is arrested. He goes to jail where he starts writing the film we're watching right now. Oh, fuck. God. Does
0: that, Does that happen?
2: Yeah, he starts oh. typing and he, he starts typing, and the title is Prophet Without a God, which they say in this movie multiple times. This yes.
0: movie has problems on every level. Oh, it's just, oh, God. So do you guys
1: think that this will become a The Room or Neil Breen type think, phenomenon I feel like at some it, point?
2: I think it I should. Well, here's the thing. You know, The Room in those Neil Breen movies are so, part of what makes them entertaining is the incompetence. You know, yes. You've got horrible acting on another mm-hmm. level, you know, terrible writing, incompetent editing and filming and special effects. This movie is very slick.
0: It does have bad acting, though. It
2: does. I would say, like, wooden acting... But in some all of the, the acting isn't terrible. Yeah, but I think this is more of a chore to get through. You know, at two hours and 17 minutes, and it's...
0: It's baffling.
2: It's baffling. But I it's think
1: more... the argument for its um, fan success would be that it is, like, nothing you have ever seen. I would you say so, Because you don't see yeah. movies this bad yeah. within the context of a Neil Breen starring and writing and directing role. Yes.
0: Yeah, um, also... We haven't experienced this uh, with a group of friends. I'm not sure mm. how it would play with a group of people. Probably a lot better than just us sitting there watching it. We were just trying to make sense of it. But, I mean, I was laughing at a lot of parts.
2: Yeah. I think this is one of those things if you played, you know, in front of a crowd, it would just be people saying, like, what? What? every Every, every five minutes I think it would play well
1: I think that with a crowd they'd be like we can't believe what has happened because every scene is baffling there's a CSI scene between the two cops and I guess a a expert who can read through chocolate I I, I don't even know what that's there
2: he has a laser device and it's like a bald man, but then they show the back of his head and he's got a hair transplant scar across the back of his that head. That was
0: significant for some for reason. For some
2: reason. And then the two cops that are there are pointing at it and <laughs> laughing at it behind his back.
1: But... So, and what's revealed in that sequence is that the uh, scene where John Voight sword fights uh, Stuart Paul on the top of the building right. took place in the
0: past, not the oh. future. <laughs> Wait, so after that scene Which we mentioned um, Stuart Paul falls into a a mattress truck And meets Rebel
2: For the first time?
0: When For
2: the first time
0: So he had met him before?
2: But then at the beginning of the movie He goes out and kidnaps him
0: Yeah
1: but Rebel is hypnotized and Stuart Paul has also been hypnotized. Oh, Listen, even more it's magic, confused. man. You
0: can't explain it. I think that Rebel was the uh, prophet. He's he's oh. the Jesus figure who is pulling the
1: strings. <laughs> oh. oh, no. This sounds like you're trying to break the rules of Stuart Paul's religion so you're becoming like a <laughs> Protestant uh, faction. Oh, no. Yeah,
0: because his religion is that he is Is God,
1: yeah. So if you <laughs> oh, believe God. Rebel is God... Then that is, like, Jesus. So that's a whole other thing. I have and, to read yeah. up on
2: this more, right? My head is pounding
0: right <laughs> I try. The thing this. is, I tried to do some research, um, and there's not a lot out there about this movie, um, because, like, most people haven't seen it.
2: Well, the thing is, like, the, the title is very generic, Deadly Lessons, mm-hmm. and, you know, I even searched for it, and, like, six movies come up with that title.
0: Yeah.
1: And the fact that it was made in 2004, but it was released 10 years later in 2014. Mm. Right.
0: Another confusing. Which makes it
1: tough to find information about. Yeah, but so it con- is out there. It's on Tubi uh, if people want to watch it. I think it's like the, uh, or you can watch it on Amazon as well. You can rent it in yeah. high def.
0: I-, I believe in the States uh, you can rent it off Amazon or Tubi is a free service um, with some ads.
2: Yeah, just look up uh, Deadly Lessons Void." Mm-hmm. And I was laughing so hard because the, the artwork on Tubi oh my for this movie is just, it looks like a headshot of it's, John Voigt. It's not John oh. Voigt in the movie. It's just a generic picture of John Voigt without <laughs> makeup on, <laughs> which makes and no
1: sense. What's great is that there's another poster, which is the one that's on the DVD, I believe, mm-hmm. which right. is John Voigt's like, it looks like he's been beaten up. Yeah. And yeah. that he looks like all bruised and terrible looking. Yeah, and, and he's in like, his fat that's suit. That's kind of the way he looks in the movie, but it almost looks like the person who did the cover was trying to make a reason for John Voigt to look so puffy and weird. So <laughs> he we gave him bruises and a bloody nose.
2: <laughs> yeah, they probably gave it to him and he didn't realize that he was actually wearing a fat suit and just thought he
1: got yeah. beaten up.
0: He's like, that's not <laughs> yeah. John
1: Voigt. Yeah.
0: Well, the bad thing about this movie is not enough John Void because he,
1: Oh, there's a lot though. Yeah. I
0: think I could have I wish well, maybe if he was in the whole movie we would have gotten sick of his performance and his antics. Mm-hmm. The the slow way it's kind of doled out maybe works in its favor. Mhm. <laughs> yeah. <is there laughs> anything else that we have to say about this? Movie? I don't know. It, I, to, I feel in, like
1: it's one that we're going to be talking about for a long time. I'm still thinking about yeah. it now. In, like, in
0: conclusion, I absolutely recommend this movie. Just for like seeing is believing. It's the mm-hmm. craziest, craziest, craziest movie <laughs> yeah. I've seen in a while. It'll
2: really do your head in. It's so baffling. Maybe watch it in parts, in chunks. Because it's so long. Chapter one and two.
0: Yeah, um, and maybe try and get some friends together to watch at the same time because by yourself, it might be a little tough. So I have to say that the first time
1: that me and my friends watch it, we did pause it, watch another movie and then came back to it because it was just too much for us.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I I can understand that.
1: Bite-sized pieces.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also maybe don't have alcohol or, or weed when you're watching <laughs> it because I think you need all your brain cells to yeah. just comprehend this freaking story. It's so confusing. Because, uh, yeah, I was like, very very confused towards the end I think Um, it's bringing my
2: hangover back right now just thinking about this movie
0: (laughs) well as we said available on Amazon Prime in some countries available on Tubi Tubi. which is a free app Um, so check it out that's in Canada and
2: the US and you can get that on your Apple TV or whatever
0: Mm mm-hmm and uh, if you want to email the podcast, we're no such thing as a bad movie at gmail.com. And our Twitter handle is at no such thing pod. And if you want to support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash no such thing is a bad movie at the five dollar level. You get a little mini episode every two weeks. And uh, next week is uh, we did a, an episode on a Jean-Claude Van Damme classic time cop
2: produced by Sam Raimi.
1: Oh, oh! New I guess he was just day. pals with JCVD after Hard Target.
0: It, what? Sam Raimi worked on Hard Target? Yeah, you didn't know that? Sam no. Raimi's
1: the guy who got John Woo to come to... Uh, North America Get. and after John Woo handed in his edit which the studio didn't like very much Sam Raimi did reshoots on it like wow. the scene oh, where Lance Henrik, the scene where Lance Hendrickson uh, gets the grenade dropped down his pants is Sam Raimi shot that
0: that's oh. hilarious wow mm-hmm. Sam Raimi is the producer that keeps on giving yeah I think yeah. This,
2: uh, Time Cop was one of the first movies I can remember him just producing Hmm. And now it yeah, seems. I like, guess
0: he
1: just loved JCVD and John Wu, which
2: is why he got John Wu in North America. That's amazing. That's that's all he does now is produce.
0: Yeah. Um, hmm.
1: Well, oh, anyway, no, wait, he's uh, no, he's coming. He's doing yeah. uh, Doctor Strange. <laughs> yeah, too. Doctor Strange too.
0: He's coming back.
1: And by coming back, we mean that he is going to get storyboard artists who are going to do very close approximations of what he used to do.
0: <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> do you think he still, you know, got it? I anyway, know he hasn't really directed
1: much. I mean, I've said the controversial opinion that I'm not a big fan of "Drag Me to Hell." Oh, okay. Uh, And I don't like his pilot for Evil Dead that much. So, and I definitely don't like Oz. So, uh, does he still have it? Mm, I don't think so.
2: No, I think, uh, and Oz the Great and Powerful, I never even bothered watching.
1: It's not very good. I mean, the last great movie that he made that I loved was Spider-Man Three.
2: Uh, I disagree. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> I thought Drag Me to
2: Hell was. Fun. I love Drag Me to Hell. I think it's a lot of fun. But uh, mm. the thing that sticks out to me from that movie and the pilot of Ash versus Evil Dead is just the horrible CGI. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh yeah, I mean that's a problem with Oz as well. It, it's weird. I guess one day he just woke up and went. Eh, I could just use bad CG. Doesn't matter. And yeah very disappointing
0: yeah. that's why his earlier stuff is better anyway um, blah, blah, blah. that was about Time Cop we were t- <laughs> oh, yeah. every time we try and talk about Time Cop we get off topic <laughs> whoa um, well, spoiler <laughs> Oh yeah so that episode will be out next week and uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter or Letterboxd I'm at April Edmanski
1: you can follow me on Twitter to D E C L O U X, and and the letter J on Letterboxd just Justin the Clue or listen to me every week on the Important Cinema Club podcast
2: on twitter for me it's sergeant zima S G T Z I M A, and guys i started a letterboxd account
1: yesterday <gasps> yesterday i'm not even following it it's the Is same it, uh, my first
2: review was paddington 2 oh did you like it amazing i loved it
1: okay because if it, you said that you didn't like it oh I no was i was gonna be like <laughs> no it was amazing Uh,
2: And it's Sergeant Zima again on on Letterboxd. So you can see my two reviews. I forget what the second movie was.
0: (laughs) Quantum of Solace. Oh, it's Quantum of Solace. Um, also, a uh, little announcement. If you're listening to this the day it comes out, uh, tomorrow, uh, which is May 2nd, Saturday, May 2nd, I believe, there is a Twitch stream of a uh, Matt Farley movie who directed um, one of our favorites, Don't Let the River Beast Get You. His other um, very, very good movie, let me see if I can get this title right um, Marriage, Monsters, and Murder in Manch Vegas.
1: Yeah, that's pretty close. Uh- uh, it's his. <laughs> second feature film that he shot on film 16 millimeter film yeah and it's like one of his funnier ones uh matt farley and um
0: charles roxford
1: yeah the directors are have been actually getting in on the stream to talk about the movies as they play which is a lot of fun yeah uh thanks for doing the heavy lifting for me april because technically i'm hosting that with peter koplowski oh. uh, as part of the laser blast film society <laughs> cool. i've Special never seen theaters. this movie before i'm uh, excited
0: yeah and i believe this one's not like available on youtube so tune in it's at 7 p.m uh, on this saturday and it's uh mm-hmm. hosted by a spectacle new york uh which is a theater in brooklyn and uh the handle is spectacle nyc um i'll i'll Tweet about it to remind people. Um, 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time.
1: Oh, yeah. We've talked about Matt Farley on this podcast. Go listen to our Don't Let the River Beasts Get You episode. Mm-hmm. And yeah, check it out because these are really funny movies.
0: Uh, yeah. And uh, I think that's it for this week. Uh, check that out. Uh, try and uh, stay safe and sane uh, during uh, these. <laughs> well, if these they want to stay
1: sane, they should definitely not watch Deadly Lessons. <laughs> oh, my
2: God. Do not watch this in quarantine <laughs> when you're locked in with people. <laughs>
0: No, watch it. Uh, uh, Have a good uh, weekend. It'll end up like
2: (laughs) you're in the lighthouse.
0: (laughs) I'm April Edmansky.
1: I'm Justin the Glue. And I'm Colin Cunningham.
0: And there's no such thing as a bad movie.